Hey everybody, I am not Kelly Dixon. Uh, it's Chris McCaleb. Kelly unfortunately is sick today, but the show must go on. And uh, we actually have a, a special co-host today. We have Mike Behrman Trout. Mike, thanks for being here. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And Mike has been uh, working with me all this season on Better Call Saul. And, uh, and we're glad we could finally get you on the podcast. And I must say, it's about damn time. Uh, also with me is uh, Peter Gould and Vince Gilligan, co-creators of the show. Yo. Hey. Uh, we have the writer of this episode, Gordon Smith. Hello. And we have first time on the podcast, uh, we have our post-production supervisor, Alicia Weaver. Hi. Hi. Hey, Alicia. Good to have Alicia on the show, the lovely Alicia. <laughs> awesome. Before we get rolling too deep into this. Kelly is not sick again, so don't worry, uh, uh, folks at home. This oh, is yes. a little, a little how the sausage is made behind the scenes stuff. This is the Sunday before uh, episode two airs, and we did three of them. Uh, this is the third one, our final one of the day. We did them in a weird order, too. We did episode five, then episode four. Now we're doing episode seven. So you'll be confused as hell when you're listening at home because in episode four, Kelly had to leave because she was feeling ill. That's then in right. episode five, she she's said back. at the beginning, eh, I'm feeling kind of sick yeah. today. <laughs> so true. she's not sick yet again. We did all of these on one day. And we hate uh, doing it without Kelly. Uh, we, uh, we've never we, done it before. We've never done it without Kelly. We'd it's love very to, strange. Yeah, and we, we'd love to not be doing it without her, but we... It's 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 getting to a point uh, in the season and in the uh, post production of it all. Uh, and Chris, you're off on a, on a whole new show. Uh, uh, yeah, and, that's true. And Kelly and will be off on about a whole to new be. show. It's right. about to be. And so it's, it's a scheduling thing. It's either we do it without Kelly or we don't do it at all. It's getting to be that point. So, exactly. Unfortunately, so we're sorry she's not on this one. But yeah, two oh seven. That's right. And uh, and Kelly and I co-edited this episode, and uh, I'm super proud to. Be a part of it. You should be proud, man. This is a damn fine episode. It's, a, it's a really great, good one. great editing. And oh, great editing. Wow, thank you. So, what parts did you do? You want to talk about that? I on this episode, I I believe I cut acts three and four. Nice. How did how do you right. how do you figure that out? By the way, because I know Curtis Thurber, uh, who was Skip McDonald's uh, assistant, who's also like you, also a wonderful editor, and and he and Skip uh, occasionally share an episode. Uh, and how do you guys, I mean, you guys have different philosophies about that, or how does that work? How do you guys decide who does what when you are teaming up on an episode? For me, it's brute force. Yeah. I just say, this is how it's going to be. No, it's, <laughs> I mean, when, I mean when, you, when, when you start, when you have a relationship with, with an editor and an assistant like that way, you know, it, you really you follow the lead of, of the editor, and, and sometimes they'll, they'll give you some scenes, sometimes they'll just give you more and more scenes. And then when it's like, do we want to split an episode? Sometimes it's a straight 50-50, which okay. it was very easy on this episode. Um, but on, I also co-edited 209 right. and with Kelly, and it wasn't so cut and dry because the way that it was scheduled, if we had just cut it up like that, we wouldn't, uh, like there would have been days where somebody sat with nothing to do. So it was, for oh, scheduling okay. purposes, there okay. was, there yeah. was a, a reason to break it up. So it, it kind of like, we just sort of like, Figured it out. We looked at the script. We okay. figured out. Okay, this scene's about that long. This scene's about that. You do that one. I'll do that one. So, but it might be. But Kelly really steers the ship on that. Sure. For sure. But I, I feel very. I've, I've had an amazing working relationship with Kelly, and and um, you know I feel grateful every time, and I feel grateful to be a part of this show. 
uh, all the time. We're lucky to have you back, dude. And thanks so much for giving up your time because you're working your butt off on Fear of the Walking Dead. And That's this true. is doing this on a Sunday. Thank you for that. Man. Oh, absolutely. We appreciate it. And uh, and for loaning us Mike Behrman Trout. That's true. Well, yeah. I mean, Mike, you love it here. I couldn't be happier. Right. So it's, it's, it's not – I'm not going to – you know, take and I know Alicia loves him too. So and she takes really good care Quite of him. Quite passionately, yes. <laughs> he gets numerous hugs all day, every day by everyone in the office. So you should really. I think he's doing very well. I, yeah. I don't know. Mike's got he's got he's got some sides to him that you want to be careful. Uh, yeah, he is. He is yeah. a bear. He's a bear. So yeah, yeah. you have to be careful, and you can follow his exploits on Instagram at Mike Bearman Trout. But that's beside the point. He, he's um, a bear who knows how to cut on a habit. That's kind of amazing. Oh, thanks, Peter. He's a big deal. And in it's sort of in keeping with that, you know, uh, animal behavior, you know, people are going to act like a bear. Some people are going to act like wolves or sheep, yeah. which gets us right. Bravo. It's like butter. Again, that's like, all the time like we have. Butter substitute <laughs> 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 as well, as we'll call it at that. Um, we talk about well, this teaser. Yeah, there's, sure. there's an interesting story behind this teaser. Absolutely. There is. This actually was a teaser that we, we shot uh, last season. Uh, we wrote and shot it for episode nine of last season, right? Yeah. Tom yeah, Schnauz. Tom Schnauz yeah. specifically wrote and directed yeah. this. Yeah. So Tom wrote and directed this for episode uh, 109 uh, of season one. And we loved it. And we, we, we loved it, but that episode was jammed to the gills and was long. So we... we had to sort of pull it out and we kept trying to like we kept trying to figure out in the room like is there a place for it is this the place for it is this the place yeah. for it and we kept sort of saying is this the place and, and I, we took it out i'm sorry did you say it? because we had to it was the running time of that episode yeah. was hopelessly long right and, and so it had to something had to give and right. you know there's yeah. there's there's different philosophies about when you have when you have a long running time on an episode and one philosophy is that you just kind of jam everything down and you, and you and you just shorten things and you lift out as much as you possibly can regardless of whether it's making the episode if, if you're hurting the episode or not and and, and Vince you your, your your philosophy which I really agree with is it's better to make one painful big painful cut than to start start hurting the tone and the pace of the whole episode I just you know most of my life philosophies come from the you know uh, I learned from knife fights so it's, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I've never been in a knife fight. But if I had been in a knife fight and I was going to, and I knew I was going to lose. And, and when you got to cut these things down for time, you feel like you're losing an awful lot. I think I'd rather be uh, killed by, by one swift cut than a thousand little ones. And that's, yeah, my philosophy is uh, like in case in point, episode 109, we, uh, we were five or six minutes over after we had done our level best to, to cut it down to time. And at a certain point, you just know you're hurting the, the episode. So, so we said, well, we'll just we'll cut out the teaser, and we will take what was originally the top of Act 1, which is the scene of, in that case, seeing a Chuck and Jimmy uh, sitting on the park bench outside of Chuck's house. We'll make that the teaser. And we'll just move that up, and it and it doesn't always work to be able to do that, and and of course, Tom was not happy, uh, and and I want to say give a shout out to the wonderful Steve Snedden who plays the con man in the scene. He is a great guy and a great actor, and he was a, a wonderful uh, series regular on the Lone Gunman TV series that I worked on, uh, the spinoff of the X Files I worked on with Frank Spotnitz and John Scheiben, and he, it was a pleasure having him 
be on our on our on our show here and i had to we, we took him when we knew we were going to cut this last year we took him out to a favorite bar uh slash restaurant we have within walking distance of our of our uh, office here and we tom schnauz who also worked on the lone gunman he and i took steve out for lunch and said we got some bad news for you we're, we're not using your fine work in this season of Better mm-hmm. Call Saul, but we think we can probably use it again in the future. And uh, he was a very understanding uh, gentleman about the whole thing. I'm so glad the story can now be told and, the, and, the, and his wonderful work can now be seen along with the wonderful work of Raphael Zabarge. And uh, who's the young, who's the young? Uh, Blake, Blake Bertrand. Bertrand. Blake, Blake Bertrand, who did, the, the young, young man did a wonderful job yeah. as young Jimmy McGill in circa, what, 1973? I believe that's yeah. right. All three of those actors did a great job. And, of course, the art department. Yeah. You, you can imagine oh, how the yeah. art department must have, if you'd worked in the art department, getting all the all the canned goods and all the, all the great signs. that the are Magazines. In and the magazines. Yeah. And you sit down with your family and you say, oh, you know, I worked on this uh, Better Call Saul and we did this amazing thing. Wait till you see it. And then you watch you watch <laughs> the episode. Wait, I, I, where is it? Yeah. I, I, and I'm joking, of course, but, you know, it is, it was, it I, one thing in the editing, we marveled over the detail work that oh, went yeah. into that went into this scene. It's just it, there's there, it's everyone 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 in the editing room would sit there and remember remember all the different products from from our childhoods that we haven't seen probably in, in five or six years or six months or whatever it's been. Well, uh, and and you know, special shout out to our wonderful clearance department. Yes, who oh, had God. to clear every item you see i think we've talked about this on past podcast uh, and it bears repeating every single item you see every tattoo you see on a person unless it was created by the art department you know as a as a as a fake tattoo uh you got to clear every real tattoo you see you got to clear it with the artist you got to clear every magazine cover you're going to see in an episode in a scene like this you got to clear every i think every bit of uh stock you know if you got a, mm-hmm. a box of nabs or, or nilla wafers or whatever i think you got to get clearance on all this stuff i mean it's just the, the sheer crushing amount of work that goes into a, a scene like this yeah. it's, it's astounding Which sometimes i think people sometimes i think people think that when you see actual products that's that's us counting the money it's like ah yes those people paid for consideration mm-hmm. it's like no actually no. more often it's it's exactly that it's clearing it's saying well we want to use this is it okay with you yeah. mm-hmm. not 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 i think what jiffy and and things like that some in this yeah. for coke or they're not paying us that yeah. we're we're asking for for their permission yeah so. mm-hmm. chicago bear sign in the background yeah, yeah. i loved that stuff like that so mm-hmm. Was it? Oh, and, and we got to give a shout out to Kelly and uh, Brock, her new, her new uh, assistant, who's taken the place of uh, of Mr. McCaleb here. No they, one can take the place. Of well, no one can take the place. <laughs> got my eye on you, Brock. <laughs> but but uh, Brock and Kelly both are from the Chicago area, and they say we we got it a little wrong with the. Uh, mm-hmm. They're they're in uh, the south south in Cicero. They're in Cicero, which right. they'd be rooting for the. Uh, the socks. The, socks. the white socks. Kelly, Kelly talked about it all last year, too. I know. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, we got a sign-up. It's the Cubs. Uh, there's a Cubs uh, pennant or something up on the wall, and she said she called bullshit on that said it would be the White Sox. So mm-hmm. don't send angry letters, viewers. We already know about it. It was a, Sorry. Bit, of a bit of a mistake, we've perhaps. Let you, we've let you down. I know. I hope you, hope you can forgive oh, us. Well, but maybe the store is actually in the north side, and they live in Cicero. Wait a minute! Hey, we don't know. Hey, hold on! I never thought of that. Oh, that maybe they could commute into the store. 
every day. Yeah. They don't, the store, I don't think yeah, it's established. Is, this is getting deep. This is the most sports I've ever spoken. And you know what? You know what I find fascinating about, and we, we worked really hard to set this scene up uh, because, of course, Chuck in episode, uh, episode five, Chuck told the story of uh of Jimmy and, and their and their dad and and the uh, and maybe we're seeing it could be when we watch this you I I wonder am I seeing the first time that Jimmy lifted a little bit of money out of the till uh is it that, that this, this might be this might be it uh, well and, and we talked about this on the podcast too you're you're wondering and Ray we're on the podcast as, now as Kim what pod? Wait, no. Sorry. Oh my god! Sorry. I have to get out of here. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'm in the wrong dimension. Quickly, um, uh, that no, that when Chuck tells that story, we and Kim are kind of thinking, is he lying? Yeah. Is this true? And this is a time when we're looking at it, going, well, you know, there could be way more truth than not, or or 100 percent truth, yeah. at yes. least as Chuck interprets it. You know, by seeing this sort of glimpse back in Jimmy's past. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think it's yeah. I think it's that's an important point that it's. But what I like is that it's it's there's some truth. It's mm-hmm. not it's not a hundred percent what Chuck Chuck just thinks. Jimmy's a scumbag and right. he just was constantly stealing. Right. But you see that there was this con artist who yeah. was had been fleecing his dad. So there was there's some ambiguity. Not not a ton, but there's some ambiguity to what Chuck's interpretation of this and, is. And so. Chuck paints a portrait of their father, which is probably true as far as it goes he says the man was a saint more or less but the problem with saints is that they have to live down here in the world with all the sinners Mm -hmm. and you can you can feel the frustration that jimmy has with his dad 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 from jimmy's point of view seems almost willfully blind and so these are two brothers who have i'll be interested to see if jimmy ever talks about his dad if we ever hear about what jimmy's point of view is because i would think that he may have something different to say about his father uh, than what Chuck did. Yeah. And then, then we get, once we're out of this uh, teaser, then we get to uh, the, the stuff that you wrote. Uh, yes. This wonderful episode that you wrote, directed uh, by, by the Colin Buxey, who's uh, an excellent director, who's mm-hmm. directed a great many fine Breaking Bad and uh, Better Call Saul episodes. This is, I had the same two directors, both in the same order, both seasons. So I had Adam Bernstein was my first. Yeah. And then Colin Buxy directed my second episodes both both times. So. Yeah. How was it <clears throat> the second time around? This was your second year as a staff writer, mm-hmm. um, which is story editor. Oh, hey, listen. <laughs> yeah. That's no, that's that's that's, that's, that's right. but I'm saying you're on a staff and you're a yes. writer. Yes. Is the honeymoon over yet? <laughs> no. No, the honeymoon's not. No, it's uh, I, I feel the same degree of terror as I did last season, I guess. But well, does that ever like go better. away? I don't know that that goes I mean, away. You know, it's... Uh, Vincent Peter, does that ever go away? Does that does the, is there a certain amount of fear that as a writer you're always faced with that you're coming into a room with blank cards, a blank table, and a bunch of little Lego things and weird toys that you guys have? I'll joke and aside. Uh, uh, you no, know, Gordon's right, and I don't. You know, I, I've been doing this a while. I've uh, been lucky enough to be doing this a while. It doesn't ever really. I, I, I all the things. I, let me put it this way: of all the many things I fear, and I have a great many fears. One of my subset, one in in a subset of fears I have is that the fear would go away, perversely enough, because I I, I have this theory that if you suddenly show up to work. And you're like, okay, well, we've done this before. There's nothing to be nervous about because we know how to do this. We've done X number of episodes of this show, and easy peasy. 
that's when you really should start worrying because that's when you're phoning it in. Mm-hmm. And that's when you're kind of, a, you know, potentially being a hack. And I think, uh, yes, I am always nervous every time we start a new season. I'm nervous about, I assume, at this point we don't have a pickup yet, but I assume we're going to have a season three of Better Call Saul. And I'm nervous that we'll continue the level of quality we've we've thus far exhibited. Uh but then I think to myself, well, you gotta have that fear because it's it's fuel. It's fuel in your tank that keeps you going and keeps things moving. And if you lose it, if it goes away, maybe the engine sputters to a stop. And if, yeah. it, if the only the only thing, if it goes too far, then it can actually freeze you up. So it's it's a very it's a very tricky thing. And I've had I've had situations where, you know, part of part of being a writer or creating anything is is kind of self doubt and fear right. because if you knew. If you knew it was going to work, it wouldn't be worth doing, or you would have already done it. You know, the, the yeah. only thing you can feel confident about is something that's already finished. The only problem you can feel confident you're going to solve is one that you've already solved. So, by its nature, uh, it, it's. But I, I there's also there's also a point where uh, the uh, you know we're, we jokingly talk about nerves and fear. There's there's a point where it get becomes in, insomnia, night sweats, and, right. and 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 you in in not sleeping, and then then which which I've had also in my life, and that that's where that's where you somehow need to need to somehow calm calm yourself a little bit. But I I I, I agree. I think that the uh, the day that we feel confident that we know exactly what we're doing and we've got it all laid out is the day. The day we're done, yeah. Uh, beca- and that's I think that goes to the question that people ask, you know, about all the things that you've planned and have you do have the whole arc already already laid out. If we had that, it, I don't know. If, if we if we had if we had it all figured out right now, uh, I would think we, we're done. And and the truth is, we're not done. We, there's a there's a lot of big questions still ahead of us as that's we true. as we uh, as you know we're it's a philosophical moment right. for us sitting in this room because we're finishing up the post on season two and now I, I personally I'm starting to think about season three and it's making me jumpy as hell because I I see I see all kinds of possibilities for uh for for great things and also for pitfalls so that's yeah. fear 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 fear, fear it's yes. what's for dinner just <laughs> enough fear and not too much that's right yeah. but I think also I you know one of the things towards that that fear you speak about like not knowing where you're going and all of that. I think it's important to be able to be afraid and be willing to fail. Like that's that I think is the mark of a safe room when you talk about that. Yeah. It's not necessarily that every pitch is like, yeah, that's great. Or that, yeah, yeah. that that's not that's not how to be supportive or feel comfortable. It's to know that you can you can swing and miss mm-hmm. and still ha- be able to pick it up and try again. Yeah. You can be like, I'm going to throw this out there and maybe it's not going to fly, but yeah. I'm going to take that shot and then hopefully know that not hitting the ball every single time is still you're still moving you're still moving forward you're still able to to learn from what didn't work what didn't land yeah. i think so. that's you're, you're exactly right and that's that's to me the goal in the room is to just keep to feel like things are moving yeah. forward or that you're the conversation not necessarily the story but the conversation is moving forward yeah. where i get worried is when i feel like we're, we're stuck there's a there's one particular problem and we're stuck on it and, and it's and we've said this in the room sometimes okay we're gonna figure this out before lunch those were always the times I would get super nervous because it's it's uh sometimes and and that's also sometimes when you need to 
thinks a thought that's out of left field or maybe doesn't seem to address the problem at hand. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, t- towards that, when you're saying like those questions of like, those are the things that we actually do spend the time on. We don't spend as much time being like, what's the entire arc of this? Because those are those are plot questions mm-hmm. and not that plot isn't important, but you know, Jimmy went, Jimmy goes from his house to Chuck's house. That's how much that's, that's a, that's plot. Why does he do that? Why is he there? What's he going to do there? Mm -hmm. Making it so that that feels like an action that a human being would do. And that's something that makes sense for the character at that moment and all the history. Why does Skylar stick around when she has all this weight of, she has all of these reasons not to. Those are harder questions and they, they're, they're, they are the ones that sometimes become maddening <laughs> you oh, yeah. kind of want to bang your because it just has to make sense we had yeah, yeah. you know because there are things that it's like well they you could do this or you could do this or you could mm-hmm. do this what's the most plausible what's the yeah. thing that feels right for the character so you know who i want to hear from alicia me too what so. do you want to know <laughs> well my mom my so wonderful <laughs> <laughs> well i I just I work here with you fine folk and I do my best. My my mom actually did have a question, which is what does a post supervisor do? Cuz she she just doesn't know at all. And uh, and rather Barbara than is a wonderful her. a wonderful human and I'm delighted to be asked a question by her. Um well, this is my first season being a post supervisor, so it's been very exciting and Diane Mercer, my post producer has been teaching me a lot and it's been really exciting and really scary all at the same time uh there's a lot of new responsibilities i had this season which involved um a lot of stuff with pictures so you know during the season there's a lot of things with clearance and a lot of things involving you know just the dailies coming in and the sound and just making sure that everything is ready and accurate Um, and functioning for the editors and that they have what they need every day. But after all of that's kind of taken place uh, and we're starting to lock shows, then I head down to our post-production facility, which is Keep Me Posted. And I work with our lovely online editor, Chad Warner. And um, we go through the show and we take it from the work that the editors have done. And so they are working on a smaller file, basically, because our files are giant. We mm-hmm. work in, we are delivering the show in 4K. It's much too big to actually work with. So they're working on smaller file size. And what we do is we take their work and we translate it to these larger files and we put them together and uh, make sure that everything matches up because it's um, really important that it is exactly what you guys wanted and what the editors have wanted. And uh, yeah, so I put that all together and visually make sure that it looks right. And then we send it off to color with uh, Ted Brady, our colorist. And so then he does his pass with uh, with you guys, with Vincent Peter. And uh, then it comes on back to us to make all of our delivery dubs. So. We have a lot of those, but yeah, that's kind of it's a lot. Well, of not, yeah. You're, you're here a lot a of late things. hours. It's yeah. a lot of work. Uh, well, lately yeah. we've just uh, there's a lot to do, and we're getting to the final bits of it, and uh, we're just trying to make sure that it all gets done. And we have a very high standard of quality here, thanks to Vincent Peter, and we just want to make I think sure. It's thanks to you, ladies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you yeah. and Diane. Well, Diane is um, an unbelievable, Diane is unbelievable. force. Yeah. And she's an amazing uh, yes, human being. She is a force. Yeah. But you, something you were saying about 4K, which yeah. I, I don't know if lots of shows are finaling in 4K, um, but there's there's a lot of things that you maybe don't anticipate. And I remember you, Alicia, last year a couple times doing a final quality control check on 
you know, a final mass 4K master, mm -hmm. you would see things in 4K because there's so much more detail. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's four times more, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The resolution is pretty amazing. And so when you're looking at things, especially if we're doing visual effects or something, you know, if you were only working in HD, the things that translate to the 4K screen when you're looking at it there, it's uh, it's surprising the differences that you can tell. Yeah. And it's been uh, a, a learning curve for us here. And this is my first 4K show and Diane's first 4K show as well. And so we've just been getting through it and trying to figure it all out. And, uh, and I'm just really lucky to have Diane leading the charge on all these things because uh, without her i don't know how the show would be completed <laughs> i i agree I, and and here we are we're we're, we're editing we're, we're we're just finishing the the cuts on episodes nine and ten mm -hmm. so how many episodes have we delivered we have delivered through episode six okay oh so yeah actually we're we're moving forward for sure um this episode 207 uh is a bit of a beast uh because we have something else to talk about later, the the, the montage. We can talk, we can talk about we can it right yeah, now. We're, we're, we're pretty free form. Uh, it's a good segue. Yeah, good segue. Jazz. the montage is a beast. Just jazzing it. It's a, it's, a, it's a killer montage that Kelly oh put mm -hmm. together. It's amazing. It's one of our... Uh, and this, on a show, uh, two shows, I'm going to count Breaking Bad as well, it's both shows full of amazing montages delivered to us by uh, Kelly and by certainly by Skip McDonald and even by uh, uh, Lynn Willingham back in the early days. We've had a lot of wonderful montages on, 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 on both series, but this, this may be, I don't know, we've had some amazing, th it, this, this, is, this is a very it's unique special. one and it's yes. very special, yeah. yeah. What, what I said before we started recording that excited me so much about it is, because <clears throat> I, and again, I, I, I didn't cut that act. The, what, the way that you guys all put it together, it feels like, Jimmy is not just dipping his toe in the waters of Saul Goodman. It's him yeah. like jumping in the pool mm -hmm. and feet. swimming around and, yeah. fe and feeling like wearing it like a suit and feeling like this feels pretty good. Yeah. You know, I kind of like this, That's well this, put. this, 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 you know, this different suit that I'm wearing or yeah. suits or suits. multicolored suits. Yeah. And this is obviously uh, this montage, unlike most any other montage we've ever done is made up. It's got a lot of interesting, very flag planting, if you will, bits of, of visual segueing from, from image to image that really call attention to themselves in a fun way. And in, in other words, I mean, you've got these images within images, these boxes that contain Saul's face, different, you know, so there's like at one point there's six or however many different Saul's on screen, all tying different colored ties. And that, that it's a, it's a bold statement, this, uh, this montage. So there's an awful lot of work putting all this together obviously from Kelly's end but then in the online for instance how what does that translate to in terms of extra work in the online um it well it definitely was some additional hours for sure it involves everything initially was sent to Ted Brady for color and so he went through colored all of the pieces because when you see it on the screen there's all these boxes and things moving and all of those pieces individually were colored and then those come back over wow. to Chad and myself and Chad puts them together and lines everything up so it matches perfectly. And I've watched that montage. I know Kelly has watched that montage more than any human, but maybe I am the second okay. uh, with <laughs> right, Chad. Because right. uh, we want to make sure it's matching every frame that she has put together so beautifully. And we're looking at it every which way. And if there's the times when there's six boxes of Jimmy on the screen, uh, I made Chad play through. <laughs> Uh, six different times so I could watch each box wow. and make sure that each box looked good and, and correct. God and, bless you. Well, there's just, it's so great. And we want to make sure that it came through in the final product for you guys. And 
So after we, you know, put everything together the first time, it goes back to Ted. So you guys could take a look at it. And then, you know, there were some things that were changed, brightening things here and there. And after that, then it came on back to Chad. And then all those pieces were put back in and then basically reassembled a second time. And then we just did it all over again, where we looked at each and every element and each and every piece over and over and over again to make sure that things were lining up. And then we have our final montage, and I, I know you guys just looked at it, I think a third time, or maybe it was the second time in color, but you looked at it just yeah. the other day again, because mm-hmm. there were some final things to ensure that it was exactly you know, where we wanted it in terms of the vibrance of the colors, which are really, really fun with yeah. all the suits. All and the great suits uh, that, tie, that yeah. Jennifer Bryan gave us for Amazing yeah. stuff. This is, you've explained it once already, but I, I always had a hard time on grasping this. For the folks at home listening, they're, they're uh, it's like if if Kelly Dixon's already cut it, why do you have to create it yet again from scratch, making sure every single bit matches what Kelly, what the work Kelly has already done? Mm-hmm. But you, you were saying it earlier, Kelly's working on a on an a two, avid on an avid, which is a is that a two K file? Is it a is it it's a, it's an HD, yeah, it's it's, HD, it's, which is, is slightly it's less than two K. It's, it's nineteen twenty by ten eighty. Okay, so it's and we're and it's a heavily compressed, even though it looks great. Yeah, it is a technically a heavily compressed file okay we're, we're working for the for the nerds out there mm-hmm. we're working at dnx uh, 36 hd in order to push around the data as quickly as as you guys need it to be to edit you can't use a file that's a full a full 4k file at this Maybe point impossible. everything yeah. everything we're saying is going to be totally uh archaeological <laughs> in, in, five, in five right. year in five right. years yeah. everyone will be doing it completely and this On is one of boards. and was one of the things that's that's uh so striking, especially a geezer like me, because the uh, the technology is 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 not just changed; it's changing, it's evolving. Well, and the and the files, the data is there's so much more data that everything takes so much longer. So re- rendering out a sequence in 4K takes how I mean how much longer than well than when 2K? we when we're done with our ultra HD files, what it's called, when we're done with that, we then have to create it, quote unquote. And so that that time period of organizing the files and putting it together in the right format and template, that takes Chad about an hour and a half to two hours. And then the the render time of creating that afterward is another two hours. And so then that gets sent over to Photochem, which is Kimi Posted's parent company. And then I will go over, they marry it with the audio, and then I go over and look at the 4K file together with the audio and make sure that everything has come through and that nothing went wonky in the render or that, you know, a visual effect went bad or something strange happening. So it takes a lot, a lot of time. So, so Alicia, you watch each episode many, many times. So many times. Many, many times. Does the show hold up? You know, it does. I love watching a million times and I never get tired of it. And that's saying something because, you know, if you watch something for the 20th time, you'd think like, I'm gonna, I can't see this again, but I really, really, I'm having a good time. So I'm glad. All of this hard work to make this thing look beautiful. And by the way, uh, we're tooting our own horn here because we're, all we know is Better Call Saul, but a lot of other TV shows are working just as hard to make their shows look fantastic. You know, a show like Game of Thrones or something, which looks beautiful. It's all for naught if you're going to watch it on your iPhone. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> true. So watch so it on so the good. biggest, the biggest, most properly tuned uh, television you can watch it on. I mean, I wish we've seen this this show and we've seen Breaking Bad on a giant theater screen because we are lucky enough because of AMC that we uh, that we have uh, 
pretty much for every season of both shows. I think actually literally for every season of both shows we've had a, uh, have had a premiere in a movie theater in Los Angeles or one time in New York. And uh, it looks so damn good because of the hard work you do and Diane does and the DP, uh, Arthur Albert, and then Michael Slovis on Breaking Bad and uh, all the hard work all these folks put into it. I'd love for someone to see all the for people to all someday be able to see all these shows in a theater type mm-hmm. setting. So oh, it yeah. kills me when I think well, of people think watching I, it on an iPhone. I, I've only <laughs> seen the finale of Breaking Bad on a big screen. Once at the cemetery oh, yeah? right. on a huge wall. It in amazingly good quality. It looked fantastic. Yeah. And, and then I was once an academy thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it looked amazing. It looked yeah. amazing at the cemetery. I was floored. They did a wonderful job and against the side of a, a, a crypt. Yeah. At the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, yeah. I can't even imagine what, like, the end of Breaking Bad 507, where Mike dies. Because that final shot, it's just, it's just spoiler these alert. tiny... Yeah, spoiler alert for spoilers. anybody Spoiler alert for a show that occurred, like, three years ago. No, like, <laughs> no, it's, it's that shot where, where Mike falls over, and it's he's tiny on the... It's, he's very small in the frame. He's yeah. down in the corner. It's beautiful. It's oh, beautiful. Yeah. Tom, which, you know, Tom yeah. Schnau's shot. I love that. If you were looking at it on a phone, it would just be gibberish. It yeah. would just, there would be nothing. You would actually, I don't think you would actually see anything other yeah, than yeah, like, right. oh, there's a river. We're ending on a shot yeah. of a river. What I was going to say about this episode is it kind of is a, a series of people taking, we were talking about the writer's room and not being afraid to take chances. I mean, it's, it's an episode where two of our characters, well, one of them, Jimmy, takes a big swing and a miss ultimately when he, he has this idea it's a way to save not just his relationship, yeah. but also his career, I yeah. guess, since he's so miserable at uh, Davis and Maine. Maine. He's got it so good there, and yet it's, yeah, it's he's just kind of kind of miserable. It's, yeah. it's like he says the... It's like that old thing, be careful what you wish for. This is all he ever wished for in season one of Better Call Saul. He's got it. He's got the amazing office. He's got the he's got a he's got a fireplace in his office. He's yeah. got a he's I got kill a, my mother for a fireplace. <laughs> 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 that guy oh, was my great. favorite. That's my yeah. favorite episode, episode five. Oh, I love that. One. I'll tell you the, the, the scene that makes me laugh in this episode the most is is one of the most simple ones, which is uh, Omar. Omar and Jimmy, oh, yeah, Omar exciting. and Jimmy, and, and it's one of Bob's most uh, brilliant yeah. line readings. You like it here. I love it. I love it. I love it. I, I can watch that. I can watch that all day. That yeah. everyone in the and the, in the uh, all the guys, everyone in the mix, uh, all of us are sitting there in the sound mix, watching that on a giant screen. Everybody's just laughing their ass off. It's like everybody, shut up! I'm trying to hear them. Yeah. It's hard. It's impossible not to laugh. It's so damn funny. How that talk a little bit about? Did you have to research that the the idea that he couldn't just quit and keep all that money? I mean, I, I that wouldn't have occurred to me either, as it obviously didn't occur to him. Right. Yeah. Well, we we, we talked. I, I talked to my my sister, who obviously um, advises us from time to time, because we were just like, you know, is there a circumstance? Because I, I we knew that you know there are terms for for bonuses. You get a bonus. It's not just like. You, there, there's obviously provisions for work so that you can't just go get a bonus and then quit or, right. or not and, and keep it. So uh, we were sort of taking some license on on how exactly this could could work with a, a contract. Because there's a, I, I can't remember who it was, but this was something we were talking about in the room that there was a famous story about like a director who had basically quit a film that he, he hated working on. Yes. And he went and told his agent That's that. That's it. And he was gleefully telling his gleefully agent. Gleefully telling his yeah, agent. Yeah. yeah, I walked off and the agent was like, why did you do that? If you had gotten fired, you would have been that would pay or play, play, yeah, pay yeah. Or play rules. Yeah, yeah. So we were trying to come up with something that felt 
in that world of, of you know, you've, you've got some money. And because all, all we know is show business. All we know is show so business. We tried to find something that was sort of plausibly similar, which is, you know, if you're, there are certain, being fired for cause, which, you know, uh, we, we've used a couple times uh, that, that uh, Maine says, that Cliff says, you can't just, like, not show up to work yeah. and, and get fired. And, like, that's, you're being right. fired for cause. If, right. I, if I, you know, walked in here, not wearing any pants or something like that, then I violated a fundamental. I mean, depending on we're the day. We're allowed to do that. Depending, depending on the day. day depending I thought on, it was a safe room. Depending on where Tom is, all of those <laughs> things make a difference. But um, but this does bear explaining because it is, there, there is weird, there's, you've got to kind of right. split, split it's, it's legal the, hairs here. Yeah, it's sort of where the fault is. If you quit, then the fault you're saying, you're, you're taking the responsibility. Yeah. If you're fired for doing something wrong that you did, for cause. that's for cause. That's like the, if you... Uh, if you pinch somebody's butt or if you don't show up to work yeah. or if you tell the if, boss to go screw himself or you make, exactly. or you make a TV you make a TV commercial without asking yeah he's right on the cusp two to one in that so it's like he, he in in that case yeah exactly he thinks that it's it could be held, counted as insubordination in that case but if you're just kind of not you're not you're not stepping over the line some of the th- all the things that Jimmy does are things that are he's killing them with kindness yeah well, you want to go green what's greener than me you know not flushing the toilet you want you want you know you want to be healthy here's some juice that i'm making and it's loud oh you want to blow off steam by playing some you know classical guitar and soothing strains how about my fucking bagpipes? like so it's, <laughs> it's everything's kind of pushed to 11 mm-hmm. to make him an annoyance but yeah. not something that it's like uh, he he would have plausible deniability and in the end you know, as 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 Cliff says, you could probably fight him on this on like the contractual dispute. But it's like, that's, why would you keep him around? That's an important caveat to make because a lot of the, there's probably some great legal minds among the folks who watch your yeah. show, and they probably would say, well, they're pushing it, it there. Exactly. But you 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 really you really make it all work by that little throwaway sentence that Cliff says. You know, just 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 save it. I, I could fight you on yeah. this, but I, you're not worth my it's, time. Yeah, the money the the money that he'd get back from the bonus is not worth the the, the, the hassle. It's not and worth the, time the aggravation. And the aggravation. Yeah. Just get out. Just keep your bonus. Yeah. Pay me for the desk. He's ready to, you know, the, the, well, I guess he wouldn't have let him take the desk if he hadn't paid for it. Right. But uh, Ed Bagley, by the way, let's talk about Ed because we haven't talked about him for a few of these podcasts. Sure. Uh, he is so, and what a, and I think I'm probably repeating stuff we've said on other podcasts. What a gentleman. What a mm-hmm. sweet, sweet guy. And uh, just a wonderful human being, an excellent actor. And he's he gets to do some fun stuff in this one. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. you feel like, he feels like it works so well for the story you feel like i'd like to work for that guy yeah he's like your he's Cliff like your Maine warm uncle yes. you know like yeah great he's, guy to work for he's principled he's yeah. fair yeah you know he gives jimmy way more of a chance than really he, he should. gives him an awful lot of rope yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he did, but i also think what i what i like in in the end seeing him here you know, he, he's he's nice, and he's like, oh, what did we do wrong, and this and that. And like, he's very, he's, he is that, the nice guy that's sort of bent over backwards. But, but, but he's not a complete pushover. He's not, he's, exactly. He's, he's not a pushover, because he's like, what, did, tell me what I did right. to deserve this. Yeah, and at the end, <laughs> and at the end he gets that great last line, yeah. of just like, mm-hmm. for, for what, what it's, it's worth, I think you're an asshole. Just get it. <laughs> like, he's, he's done with it, and you can see that, yeah. you know, this is the guy who's a, he's a, a the, the name partner of a, fairly prominent or yeah. in, in our world a fairly prominent firm yeah. so like he's not going to be just a nice sweet guy yeah. he's got he's got some steel in him and we get to see that and here. again it bears repeating I mean, this is everything that jimmy mcgill 
said he wanted, thought he wanted in season one of Better Call Saul, and here he is. It's like, uh, it's perverse. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, sometimes we're our own worst enemies, and maybe Jimmy is here as well. But, but like you were he saying back is. here, back. I'm sorry. He often is. He, he, he often is. Mm-hmm. He uh, hopefully to a very entertaining level. Oh but yeah. But he's. Uh, but hopefully it all it all tracks and makes sense. I mean, this is who this this guy is. And and back to your initial uh, uh, segue, uh, he's got this big plan now. I'm going forward with with Gusto, and I'm going to start this new. Uh, we're going to start a new firm, Wexler McGill. And he's yeah. so used to being able to talk his way into things. I mean, he's he's such a good pitch man. He can just talk your he talk his way in and out of things. He talked he talked his way out of not just his own death. But also the lives of the twins mm-hmm. with Tuco Salamanca, one of the least rational human beings that yeah. certainly exists in this world. Yeah. And and you know he's he's used to that. And so then he's sitting there in a room with a woman that he loves, yeah. who, despite herself in in some ways, loves him back, and he f- feels like this is gonna go my way. Yeah. And and it sure doesn't. Yeah, yeah. But I th- and I think for us when we were talking, you know, breaking it and trying to and writing it, it was very much like he is a guy who's just like yeah, he's got the gift of gab, but that he's got to be super sincere here. Like when he's pitching mm-hmm. to her, he's not using some of the tricks that we've seen him use. He's using right. truth really as well, much he, as possible, and that's sort he, of the turn in the scene where yeah. she asks him, like, "Are you gonna are you gonna be colorful?" And he's like, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm yeah. going to tell you. He's about he to. Starts he's about to. Yeah. He starts he's, to. He starts to, but he kind of, he, he, he takes something from what he's learned from Davis and Maine and, and from the, the tube man bit. And it's like, no, this did feel like that. What he, what he was doing with the tube man, the colors and the, the Saul yeah. Goodman coming out felt okay to him. And so yeah. he, yeah. he and decides not to lie. The last time he lied to Kim to her face, it, it you know, Totally, almost derailed her career, mm-hmm. which is would have that would have been totally on him, yeah. and it almost derailed their entire relationship. Let's ask the 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 uh, the lady in the room. Uh, would yeah. from your point of view, I mean, is he uh, should, should should she be jumping into this deal with him? Oh, uh, like into a, a law yes. partnership? Yeah, uh, and should she have forgiven him for that lie? I mean, what do you think? Oh uh, well, I mean, I think that she's very smart, and because that's not her. That's not the way she does things. Like when she's doing law, it's very much by the book and accurate and lawful. And so she knows him and she she's not trying to stop him from doing his type of law. She never says that. She's she just says, "What type of a lawyer do you want to be?" because if we're going to go together, then then this is what I want to do. And so I think I think that Kim has made obviously the right choice for her and in terms of not becoming a joint partnership with him yeah. on that because then it would be and and to me that would be her selling out i really like kim because she's a super strong female character and uh like i love her line uh in episodes past where she says uh, you don't save me i save me that's such a great line and for kim if she had just agreed like sure why not let's go into this uh this law partnership together it, I wouldn't have really bought it because that's yeah. not her character. Like mm-hmm. her, she's very uh, firm in what she knows. You know, she's willing to do and who she is. And I think that's great that she's like, you know, I, 
you have me, but you this is not where you're going to have me because we differ. And so I think she definitely made the right choice uh, for her and for him too because it wouldn't have been good for them to, to be in that together at all. I agree with that. Yeah. But sometimes, what was the expression we kept saying in the writer's room? Uh, sometimes we kept quoting... <laughs> We kept quoting Mr. Miyagi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, we did. And walk Karate down, Kid. Walk down right side of road, safe. Walk down left side of road, safe. Walk down middle, just like grape. That's right. So maybe, maybe do you think she's bending over backwards to walk the middle of the road here? And, and is that going to, I wonder what the what dividends that's going to pay. I do not know. Uh, Chad, is she the grape? Chad. Is she the I truck? I think she's Who's the, the one, truck. I don't, I don't, I don't think she's the truck. What I street is she, this? I think she's the grape. Which way am I going? I don't know though. Who knows? Who knows where this is going to well, end? Well, that's that's the, that's that great. Uh, it's one of my favorite scenes in this episode. It's one of the most simple. Is is mm-hmm. uh, Kim on the roof after that job that's interview with Schweikert? Yeah. And she's she's by mistake. She's called Rich Schweikert uh, yeah, by, by by Howard. By, yeah. She calls him Howard. <laughs> yeah. His reaction is so that, good. It's and that great. rings for her and it makes the others. What Jimmy said in the pre in the earlier scene kind of ring for her. This is just a lateral move. It's the same mm-hmm. story for you. And she goes out, and she's on that roof, and she looks so damn cool. And she's <laughs> she's right. smoking her cigarette, oh, bringing smoking back. Smoking oh. is cool. Um, but she's <laughs> hey she's kids, out. hey kids, smoking's cool. And, and Dave no. Porter, Don't be a square. Dave be a Porter square, wrote kids. a Dave Porter wrote Smoke. a piece, a piece of music there, which I think is so interesting because it it's wonderful up, music. It picks up on on something in the scene. I don't want to. It's it's a little bit ambiguous, but but there's a. There's a lot of complexity what's going on when she when she tears that card into and, and I'm thinking yeah. that maybe if, if I were watching it the first time I would think this is about breaking up with Jimmy or something something like that but it turns out actually she has another idea which is arguably going down the middle of the road mm-hmm. or or the other thing we sometimes say people folks trying to have it both ways yeah. and and maybe you know and you can argue about it and it's uh we'll we'll i mean what's what's going through jimmy's head at the end of that and the episode yeah speaking of uh schweikert rich schweikert uh dennis butzakaris what a what a great actor he oh, is too. We've, we've mentioned him before but yeah. he's he's uh he's just very just very good very yeah, good actor super great he's great to work with and he, he just like comes in turns it on hits it <laughs> he's great yeah. he had that huge scene in in 108 last oh, season yeah 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 so just sitting around a table spouting legal yeah. junk legal jargon and he and, and he had, it with he, aplomb. he has the right amount of arrogance mixed with there's like a cool confidence to him that, mm. that you're he, he, you don't you don't think fuck this guy you're just he's just kind of like well uh, we're gonna win this argument so it's it's fine we, we don't need to have this argument yeah, right yeah, yeah. like i think he's I'm a nice a, guy i don't i don't know if that's your guys's intention but yeah. every time i've i've seen him on on screen in the final product to me i think he's a nice guy who's just really good at his job and perhaps his job right now is he's on the side of uh sandpiper crossing yeah. and so his job is just to do everything he can for them yeah. but you know I, I personally don't hold it against him i think he's i think he plays it so well for yeah. me that he comes across as an as a nice man yeah, yeah. which is interesting it's the, we have a show full of lawyers who kind of like live sleep eat bleed their jobs like mm-hmm. yeah. J- chuck is so enmeshed with is is a lawyer to yeah. his core and mm-hmm. jimmy too in a yeah. lot of ways is too in they're a way dedicated. that we don't they're yeah. very dedicated and yeah. kim is dedicated but i think there is that way that he's he's a pro and it's like mm-hmm. this this is me this is who i am mm-hmm. but I, I work as a lawyer and i'm gonna do that job you know what right. and it's something ray was talking about ray seahorn is talking about in uh 
we've done this is our third one of the day so they're all running together in my head but it's either in the podcast for 204 or 205 but she was talking about all the shades of gray you know and and, and that that's you know it's it's more fun to write for gray hats rather than just black hats mm-hmm. and white hats you know it's everyone she was talking about how everyone has shades of gray and has everyone everyone has complexities and nuances and that's it's just more fun to very few of our characters on either series breaking bad or better call Saul have been purely one thing or another or you know, one side or the other all good or all bad a couple of a couple of the killers uh, uh, the have come close to being all bad but but usually the characters have uh there's some various shade of gray instead of the black hat or the white hat michael mckeon has put it in a couple panels very well i think when he says nobody is just one thing yeah mm-hmm. and i think yeah, that's, that's true you know he said, people... he said it to chuck it's like nobody's just one thing it, yeah. it's so interesting mm-hmm. you go to schweikert's office in that job interview scene which you, you did so beautifully and you see uh, it's that room is the opposite of uh, of HHM's conference room. You know, whereas HHM's conference room is very grand and mm-hmm. all wood, and this is long that one long table. This is a round table, mm-hmm. and his two apparently the two two other uh, senior partners he's with are both are both women, mm-hmm. and so it just has a, it has a, a different. I I kind of feel like. Um, I get from that maybe Kim Kim would be doing okay at Schweiker and Copley. I think she would yeah, be a great place. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's about as good as, as that's about as good as it's going to get. So it, mm-hmm. it but maybe but she obviously doesn't agree. Well, <laughs> and yeah. before Gordon uh, Jen was saying before we started recording, and I I cut those scenes and I didn't know this that that was a kind of a set that it was it it's a it's a real location, but that it didn't look like that in any way. That is absolutely true. They, this it's like an abandoned where, building. This is another place where, like, the our our construction and art departments just are, are bafflingly good. Never sometimes. would have guessed. Wait a minute, which is this? Schweik- the Schweikert and Coakley like offices. It's a wow, it's, it really? Is, yeah, See, I hate to admit it. I didn't even know. That. Yeah, oh, yeah, right? it's, it's crazy. It's, wow. it's uh, they they did an amazing job of making it look like it was just sort of. I, I it's can't just remember. empty office space, Pretty but much, that's yeah. a real view out the window. It right? is the real yeah. view out the window and all of that. But like they they dressed everything in. They found nice. all the stuff. They 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 built it and nice. decorated. It. And I got on set and I knew what they were planning on doing. And we talked through it and yeah. seen seen the pictures. But I was like, where am and I? And it, this is amazing. Is that garage rooftop anywhere near in real life that that location? Yes, near. Okay. But not the same roof. It's not it's movie, same movie magic. It's, it's, it's all. Magic. It's, it's, none, it's an ear. I can't remember. None of these exactly are real people, are, guys. Yeah, relative to each other. <laughs> this is a CGI it's like, it's like show. It's like Shatner actually. on Star Trek and uh, Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Get it's a life. Show. Get a life. It's just a show. I did. Yeah, yeah. Years ago for a lark. Um, <laughs> that was a great sketch. Yeah. The, uh, I, yeah, I love that scene up on the roof too. That's a great, it's beautifully shot. Yeah. She's so good. Yeah, she's so she's so good speaking. She's so good not speaking because yeah. she's it, her face just has that complexity and, to it. Where and Ray was talking about that when she was right. here in the previous podcast. Uh, she said that she hopes she could learn to use the camera as her scene partner. I think and, she's already learned. I think she's. Yeah, I think definitely. she's. I think she's got it. Yeah, I, think I think she's got the, it down cold. She's got totally it down cold it's, because I think she is just so fascinating to watch on screen when when you know in, the, in those scenes when we have her making a decision yeah and i think that for that moment it's like i may not know exactly what what she's thinking in her head precisely but i know that she's thinking and she's come to a decision and she's gone through a process and something has changed and mm-hmm. that's 
So you want to know what that is. What's and then, the, you, what's yeah, the exactly. You're like, what is, what is tearing that card mean? What is it? Is it, yeah. does it mean that she's, she's done with Jimmy completely? Does it mean, what does it mean? So I think it's great. When he, this is a technical thing, but I always wonder every time I see it, when, uh, when, when uh, Colin uh, tracks the camera along with her to the edge and she lights up her cigarette and then the camera goes over the edge of the building just a few inches. Mm-hmm. What was that? Was that just on a dolly on tracks or what was um, that? I believe that's so. I remember we talked it through, but honestly, I, I was not there. I was oh, fl- okay. flying oh, back. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So... That's a this is a nice photographer all throughout the episode, mm-hmm. and there's a and there's a fun uh, callback uh, to the breaking to Breaking Bad, a fun little Easter egg. Uh, you want to talk about that? The, the in the in the scene with uh, Stacy and and Mike. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, oh, yeah. you, you may notice we start off in the, in the scene with them in the house um, that. Well, first, the, the house itself is, is kind of an Easter That's egg. That's an Easter egg, too. You're yeah, right. We're actually, it's two different houses. The interior and the exterior are two different. Oh, they are? Yeah. yeah. I, t- shit, I, I feel didn't realize so that disillusioned. Too. I think they are. I'm pretty sure they, they are. are. They are. <laughs> Unless I'm crazy, but yeah, they're two different. They're two different houses, but the outs, the exterior. No, that's right. I remember that. Now. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so that's not the same interior as exterior. Right. I'm sorry, I knew that. I'd forgotten. Um, that. but yeah. we met. But it, it looks great. They put, you know, they made it. They made them sync up very well. They are again. Yeah. The, the our, our department is great. And you added the line about the, uh, the playhouse because right. there was a real playhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. Was a real playhouse. It was great. It was super huge and yeah. wonderful crazy um, and then huge. you walk out yeah. and this is the, this is where yeah. we'd seen mike and stacy in in the breaking bad era this is the house yes. that that uh, she lived in when when mm-hmm. he was dropping off little kaylee in what 312 i guess um when he had the car full of uh, mylar balloons <laughs> yeah <laughs> that he was going to go use to help kill a bunch of bad guys yeah, yeah yeah so and the woman who waves from the distance different act, actor is, actually who played kaylee's mom yeah that's yeah. right and, but uh, we but we cast Carrie. We we had an eye an eye on thinking about uh, what she looked like when we were actually ca- casting yes. for Stacy. So Carrie anyway, so, they, they, so yeah, maybe we should go back and reshoot that scene. That's what George Lucas would do. Exactly, right. exactly. We'll just put Jar Jar Binks in there. It'll be fine. <laughs> Alicia, can you can you get on that, please? Get on, get yeah, in. sure. Get on that totally. immediately. 4K. You got it, guys. So uh, the house itself is an Easter egg. The house itself, and but, then yeah. yes, and then the real estate agent that they speak with is uh, was here played by Jennifer Hasty. Lovely, who, lovely uh, young woman. Yes, yeah. who uh, was in episode four oh three open house uh where she where uh betsy is stealing yes. spoons yeah. so she oh, is the yeah. real estate agent. she's the, re- the real estate agent or realtor that uh that confronts her about yeah. stealing things from the houses and they have that they have the fight with her so she did a great job in that episode and this was a tiny little we wanted to there really wasn't any more dialogue to give her there no. wasn't really time or room for it but but we, we she was very sweet to come back and uh, we just wanted to have her back and yeah uh, and she's great and she and i gotta give a shout out to her character the character's name uh that she plays is stephanie doswell who is a wonderful friend uh stephanie and robert uh wonderful friends of of my girlfriend holly and myself uh back in richmond virginia and uh so just wanted to give i think if you look real close you see stephanie's doswell on the uh, real estate sign you do yeah so I want to give a little hello to Stephanie. So real life Easter egg. Yeah, real life yeah. Easter egg. So, and so okay, so, and you you joined Breaking Bad in what 2012? 
Uh, I think it was December, December of 2012. 2012. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was 5B, season 5B. Yeah, it was yeah, 5B. Right. Um, That's right. And so God, was it that long ago? It was that yeah. long ago. Also yeah. as a PA. Yes, yes. as a PA, post-PA. And, and uh, Diane Mercer hired me um, and uh, with Andrew Ortner and Trevor Baker, and they were all in my interview. And uh, I just remember uh, that Diane was speaking quite passionately just how she felt about the show and – uh, the level of quality that that you guys strive to and that she strives to. And I just remember thinking, I'm totally in because that's definitely something that that speaks to me. I you know, I want it to be one hundred and fifty nine percent fantastic. And so it was really great to we're, see that level of passion from other people. We're so lucky. I'd say yeah, Diane's are. worth her weight in gold, but she's not. If she weighed a thousand times more than she does, yeah. then she'd be worth her weight in gold. She's we'll like, tell Diane that on Monday. Diane is, is, she'll <laughs> probably take it wrong. <laughs> Diane is extraordinary. She's, she makes so, it We're so lucky, and we're so lucky to have you working, yeah, working on the she's show. She's amazing. All that, you know, this, it's uh, it, how the show looks and how, yeah. it, how in the end, in the end, it all – doesn't matter what everyone else does, including yeah. all the the, the, the art department, the electrical. It all goes through. It all goes through yeah. what you do. Yeah, every yeah. last little detail. And the acting, yeah. all of it, every sound, every bit of it goes goes through That's you true. before true. it gets the folks out. So you there. didn't think we could just do Diane, a long yeah. pan across the cards and, and put that out as the episode? Just a <laughs> you know, you know what? Slow, would be interesting. You know. Just read the cards for forty-seven minutes. But your job is left. <laughs> then it'd be a book. Who wants that? Yeah. If you look back from Breaking Bad. To, to today I'm sure this has been talked about but I can't remember it you talk about the the people that have grown and you know by learning because you create such an environment such a collaborative environment that people actually want to be at and people feel welcome to give their input and people feel uh, included you look at Alicia who was you know a PA she was stocking fridges and she's now damn good fridges. You know, she's now <laughs> you're a good you know, fridge stocker. She has. Yeah. You're even better with what you're doing now. Yeah, oh, no, well, that. But that's the, that's what that's, Chris tells me. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's the the fridge situation is. In Chris the past. may have a long beef. I don't think the Vincent Peter know about. No, that. it's fine. Yeah. Well, what's that? No, I hear about this. Well, well, Wait hold on. We got to share this with the world. We'll get we'll get back to it, but but it's. It's that, you know, and now she's tasked with some pretty huge responsibilities. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, making sure that the show actually gets on the air. You look at someone like, I don't know, Gordon Smith, who's sitting at this Ooh. table. Uh-oh. Started. What did you start as? As I a writer's PA, PA or no, just a, just a, a post-PA? We, we, Jen, at, Jen at Carroll started as a post-PA. Yeah, at the premiere. Jen, Jen Carroll's going to be running this whole had, this whole. Had that's right. She, she kind of is already. We had yeah. like... We had like Pretty much, we had six out of the nine post PAs that had been on Breaking Bad and and Better Call Saul at the premiere. It was uh, so it was it was Jen, Trevor, Tra- was Trevor, Trevor started as his, an intern. He did start oh, as that's an right. intern. He sure yeah, did. he's like now the he's only an intern, and now he's he's Through, editing, uh, he's editing on Narcos right now. Yeah. That's right. Um, so you had Jen, who was, was Vince's assistant and an associate producer. Um, we had Curtis, who is assistant editor and editor in his own right. That's right. We had uh, Ariel, who is now our, our who moved from post PA to the the writer's office. Uh, Alicia and myself. Yeah. So it was a it was a long it was post- a good track record that that uh, Diane 
has Bob Odenkirk. But then yes, there are the there are the bodies that we keep he in the cellar. But all the survivors, that's right. all it, the survivors, we ate the, the dead, and uh, we're that's not paying anybody anymore as they go up through the no. no that's no, you, that's <laughs> the trick. That's that's the it's like rent control. You, you, you yeah. get the job <laughs> and you kind of salary control. Um, yeah. Un- unfortunately, we I'm getting the sign and we have to wrap this up. But um, from associate producer Jen Carroll out there. That's right. Um, but uh, I did have one more question uh, related to the montage in this episode, which, again, I'm, I'm really in love with the montage. That I love the way it all came together. It is fantastic. Um, yeah. It's great. Would you say, from a technical standpoint, was it more or same or less difficult than the montage in 110? From a technical standpoint. Um, from a technical standpoint, it's just different. Uh, it, yeah, it's different. You could almost say it would be kind of Chad's call because he actually did both of those montages, 110 and uh, the one in 107 or in 207, excuse me. The the number of boxes and different things that are popping up and popping off in 207, I believe, made it a little bit trickier. He definitely had to do a lot of work because like I, I had mentioned, every element goes to Ted for coloring and then goes back in and then after we've looked at it a hundred times, then it goes back to Ted and then it comes back to yeah. us and then we look at it again another hundred times. And in 110, it was definitely a very complex thing, but it was layering and stuff that was coming through. So I think they were both obviously a great deal of work and they turned out beautifully but for 210 personally maybe it's because i was watching it i think it was a, a definitely a little more complicated just because of the number of things for 207 that would, oh what did i say 210 210 yeah, do you mean uh, 110 or do you mean 207 i mean 207 207 okay, okay. No. Two, yeah. 207 i think was a bit more complicated because you know there's all the boxes and each box has things popping on and off yeah. and coming in and out of it and so it definitely took a lot of eyes and a lot of time to make sure that what you guys had created with Kelly um, came through. I think it's way longer, too, uh, because... It's, oh, time-wise, yes. Time-wise, and it's, it's, it's such an interesting... Yeah, it it's is. It's an probably. interesting montage for us because it also has a lot more... It's, it's like, it has these little islands of dialogue, yeah. and then it goes mm-hmm. back into montage and then back to an island of dialogue, which I don't think... I don't think we've ever done before. Not that I and that was one of And that was one of the things that Kelly had to work out uh, yeah. With with that with the music, which yeah. I the, that, where did that, that song come Scorpio. from? Scorpio. I was yeah. uh, and, and I, I ninety nine times out of a hundred uh, when you hear uh, music on the show uh, that is not compo- that is not composed by Dave Porter. Uh, it's an amazing bit of music that Thomas Goliabich has found for us. But in that case, that's a rare instance of I was driving to work. I, this is a free commercial I'm about to do for Sirius XM. Mm-hmm. I freaking love. Uh, I only have one of my cars has it. I, I want, uh, I want, and so I'm always bugging Holly if I can drive the one car that has the Sirius radio, and I'm always listening to it on the way to work. And uh, I was listening to it's a song called Scorpio, by, oh crap, what's the? It's uh, a Mike Mike, 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 Mike. Okay, Mike, yeah, tell Mike. us, Mike. That's Scorpio by Dennis Coffey. Oh, right. of course, Mike. Right, yeah, right. Now I remember. Thank you, Mike. That's no problemo, Vince. But it's this. Uh, it's this. It was this great. I think a Detroit uh, kind of soul band uh, from the early 70s. And I was just driving to work one day, and I hear this thing, and I just like, oh, man, this is great. I love this. This should go on the show. But I had no idea where. And then uh, maybe later that day or the day after, we were uh, in the editing room with uh, in in, uh, in Kelly's room there, and we're thinking, what would you put against this? And I said, hey, look up a song called Scorpio. And uh, – 
uh, you know, it uh, luckily it worked. It just it worked it really just well. Clicked. It just, just kind of luck. It just know. clicked right. It's that. Yeah. It just clicked right. In. And by the way, I think Sirius XM should really be. Uh, giving you a free free lifetime subscription that sounds good to yeah. me. Maybe also, they because put it in your other cards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they'll maybe they'll, maybe they'll spring for that. But it's because uh, uh, that's where uh, Baby Blue came from. Actually, I mean it's not like, uh, but I mean Baby Blue by uh, Badfinger. That's I was driving to our old offices and heard it, and of course I knew the song Scorpio. I was not familiar with, but Baby Blue by Badfinger I certainly was familiar with and as it came on I said to myself man I love this song I love the bass hook in this song how come they don't play this on the radio more often and then I thought wait a minute listen to those words oh man this thing would be perfect on Breaking Bad but again I want to stress 999 times out of a thousand uh, it's Thomas G finding this stuff uh, so these are just maybe maybe the, the two instances where where uh, I came in with it. But uh, Tad, one quick thing, I know we got to go. You've mentioned uh, Ted, our colorist. Yes. What is what is what does a colorist do? What does Ted do? Ted creates the color for the show. He can decide if you know a particular corner needs to be brighter or darker, or he can. It's amazing the things he can do. He can make something more green, less green. He can draw out the blue of something. He can you know bury it if something looks particularly red he can make sure that you know, if someone's face is flushed and they should have been sitting all day or something then he can take that out and uh, it's really incredible the difference that yeah. the color can make and if you have a good colorist everything feels really natural and and flows from moment to moment within the scene and then if you want juxtapositions between where you were and the next scene perhaps you know you can go from light to dark contrast to not yeah. and ted does a really great job and there's infinite variety and subtlety uh, based on these the amazing tools we have now and also the artistry of the individual colorist and, and also a big part of the job i guess is when you shoot a scene over the course of a day the sun's always moving you've got 30 yeah. 40 different shots in a scene sometimes and you col part of the colorist's job is to make them all flow together yeah and that so, can be difficult it can be very difficult in, yeah. in yeah. albuquerque we have a lot of of beautiful clouds yeah. but sometimes Sometimes they can cause some trouble in terms of the time of day or if they're moving. Yeah. Like Act 2 in, in Episode 102. 102. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. Tuco scene out in the desert. I mean, yeah. They shot that for several days all day long. And yeah. I think we talked about on the podcast that they kept turning yeah. so that the sun would be on the correct side yeah. of their faces. The, the fight scene in 204 was like that, too. And then Ted did a great job. Of like because we shot that over two two or three days we, we, wow. sh we were at the restaurant for three days and like the the sh if you watch you can see the shadow lines falling at different places because we ended one day and then yeah. had to pick it up the next day the, and the with, sun is the, with Mike and Tuco uh -huh. mm -hmm. I would never no it's, that. It's, they, they do a great job it all feels wow. like one day yeah, that's and that's the colorist yes. yeah. also yeah. the DP but yeah. uh, and the continuity folks yeah. and all that but it's a big part of that is the colorist yeah. doing do, doing his or her job right and yeah. when a cloud like Alicia saying when a cloud comes by it's not just that everything gets darker the color temperature is actually changing yeah. uh as well so things are getting more blue less blue and you gotta you gotta ride that real closely one of the things that was so, so interesting to me about this this montage in seven with little boxes was some of the shots of the tube man that kelly used as a background had a white sky Mm -hmm. And what happened was that the uh, the little as we we looked at it the boxes Jimmy Jimmy started receding because he was darker he was darker than this guy so Ted Ted made those boxes brightened those boxes and brightened Jimmy up so that he was kind of equal 
equal with the tube man. And that was there was there were a lot of subtleties through that. And of course, usually, especially now, people have a very strong feeling about what's good taste color. Uh, there's and especially they t they tend to especially in prestige dramas, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, they, yeah, tend, yeah. they tend to have, they tend to pull the color out yeah. and it starts looking a little bit like the Pottery Barn catalog. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not gonna, gonna specify any particular shows, but we, we sometimes go way in the opposite direction. So Ted was, you know, to me it was like the, the opening of the wonderful world of Disney. And then, and he unzips, unzips, unzips those mm -hmm. shirts and he spreads them out. And they, they're, in a, they're in a, they're in a, they're in a, a, a perfect color bar. Roy G. Biv. They're red, orange, yellow, green, blue, Made up color, indigo, violet. violet. Yeah, that's right. Yes, all, got them all in order left or right. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, the, this, it's all about the color, folks. Yes. So yeah. there you go. What do you mean? Indigo's made up? Yes. Tell, tell them that's Doreen. Isn't color everything right. made up? Gordon, no, Nora but Indigo is very specifically made up. I think it's Ham Lindigo is made up. I think it's Newton. It's Isaac Newton? Yes. I could be getting that part of it wrong but not fig because yeah. <laughs> i believe it was i it was newton when he was doing his experiments with breaking up white light into the different colors and he saw but he saw the colors there and he went well there have to be seven colors because that matches with or is it seven or eight seven because that matches with the number of tones there are whole tones there are in music and that the, this was the notion that the universe was full of harmony and so forth so since he looked and he went, well, there's, there must be something else there. Maybe that's a little darker. I'm going to call that indigo to sort of squeeze it in rather than there being. I got a question. Yeah. You got beaten up a lot as a kid, right? Yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah. No, it's, it's, <laughs> speaking of the harmony and the, that there being a universal order, yes. Ingrained. <laughs> So. Well, you, so Gordon, we always learn. I always give Gordon shit. I can't help it. It's just too much fun. But he is so damn smart. Yeah. You always, you I'm always learning. Too, you can't smart. sit in a room with Gordon and much not too learn smart. something. Uh, um, uh, well, I, I hope that you guys have all listening. We didn't talk about the episode that much, but <laughs> we did We did talk about a lot of other things, and hopefully you gleaned some information, some behind-the-scenes sausage-making info. Um Vincent Peter, thank you guys for coming in. Thanks, Chris. Get better, oh. Kelly. Get yeah, better, Kelly. Kelly. Get better. I suspect Kelly will be doing the uh, the final four episodes. Oh yeah, definitely. Which, uh, uh, no, no, and okay. uh, and thank you, Gordon, for coming in, thank spending no, some hours for having me. Thank you, Alicia, for braving your first time on the podcast. Yay, Alicia. Was, you did a, you did a great did good. job. Was yeah, that was did. that as bad as you thought it was going to be? You were nervous. She was nervous. Um, and and Mike, thank you very much. Well, thanks again for having me. Oh, you got it, buddy. And special thanks to Chris Sullivan for no reason in particular. And um, we're we're doing a new thing where uh, where somebody on the panel uh, says "Better Call Saul" in the style of uh, Bob. And well, it's uh, got to be. It, well, no, I think see. I, I think it should be Alicia, but I, I think, think so she's going to be too mortified. We should also have Mike do I it. I definitely... Well, hold on. Mike we can do, it. We can Mike, do a double on Mike, this one. Mike will show you how it's done. All right, Mike, do it. Better call Saul. Right. Okay. So you now you try it. I'm too scared. Do so, it! Alicia, Alicia, here, take take us out. Just like All Mike right. did it. Mm -hmm. Oh, just like Mike did it? Better call Saul. Yeah! yeah! That was awesome. That was a good one. That was Thank a good you. one. Good job. That was great. That might have been the best one yet. That actually uh, might be better than we, Bob's.